We go today, tonight, to Luke 2, picking up where we left off this morning, and uh, we just have uh, these verses, uh, Luke 2, 36 through 40, as we move from Simeon holding the baby Jesus to uh, another person of faith meeting Jesus, uh, this uh, widow, Anna. So Luke 2, beginning at verse 36, let's pray. O Lord, we ask that as we approach your word together as a church uh, for the last time in 2014, as always, we ask for your blessing. Would you bless the hearing and reading of your word tonight? Here at faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Beginning at verse 36, this is God's holy and infallible word. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Oh, and then we have, okay, well, I'll read the next two verses too since they're on the screen. Our focus are those verses. The, this section concludes with when Joseph and Mary had done everything Required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So people of God, we've spent the last portion of this year talking about looking at heroes of the faith. People like the men and women listed in Hebrews 11. People like Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel and of all believers through the blood of Jesus. People like Moses, who led the people through the Red Sea, out of Egypt. David, who God called a man after his own heart. Daniel, who has a whole book named after him. And That's a little intimidating when we start to compare their lives to ours. We talk about us being part of the continuing story of redemption today, but I mean, who are we by comparison and what have we accomplished? And that's where it's very important that we're not lifting these people up higher than we should, and I don't believe we have, but just a reminder, that's where when we're talking about heroes of the faith, we say that knowing heroes is in quotation marks. These guys were not great on their own, but because they had the Spirit of Jesus in them. And my prayer is that in this series these last months, we've especially seen God and His work of salvation pointing us all to Jesus the Bible is the story about our God and His grace, first of all. That's where we'll find the good news. 
God helpfully shows us along the way of his good news in Jesus, the lives of men and women too, though, because then we helpfully see how God's grace intersects with our lives. And then that's a great encouragement to us. With Anna, who meets Jesus in the temple after Simeon, we finally have someone who's maybe not quite as different from us. Someone we can identify with more. Someone smaller in stature than Jacob, less famous than Noah, more behind the scenes than the beautiful Queen Esther. Anna's name is mentioned just once. And there are only three verses dedicated to her in the Bible. Her name, like Hannah in the Old Testament, Anna's more the Greek version of the Hebrew Hannah, by the way. Anna, Hannah, it means grace. She was of the tribe of Asher, we read. Asher was the second son of Leah's servant, Zilpah. Asher means happy, and we read Leah named him that because his birth made her happy. He was the eighth of the twelve sons of Jacob. This is kind of interesting because Asher was one of the ten northern tribes that were taken away into exile first by Assyria. They sort of had the name the Lost Tribes over the years because they were scattered and never really came back to the land like the southern two tribes did. Uh, Judah and Benjamin, those were the tribes Babylon took and the Medes and Persians later let them return. But obviously some people from the lost tribes came back and the Jews were still keeping close track of their genealogies because here we've got it. Anna of Asher. She was a widow. She was very old, it says, and and some of you say 84. That's not very old. Well, there, there is a different reading of that um, one way to translate it is, and some Bibles have this, and you might even have it if you have an NIV in, in a note in the bottom. Some translations say that she was a widow for 84 years. And if she was a widow that long, she might have been like 105. It was, that would be saying, that, was, that would be reading it, that she was with her husband uh, for seven years. So if you figure... If she was married at a normal age of 14 back then, Olivia, close your ears. That's not a normal age to get married, 14. And then she was married for seven years until the age of 21. It would make her 105, which would be really old. But it seems probably the more more straightforward reading is that she was a widow of 84 years, not for 84 years. 84 105. 84 in those days certainly was very old. In Israel, widows were considered among the least, which is why God's law made sure that they were looked out for. But although Anna was among the least, Anna wasn't great, Luke shows us, I believe, some characteristics that all believers 
no matter how big or small we are, we can exhibit them because of Jesus in us. Uh, We see, I think, a steady life of faith uh, in, in just these few verses. Nothing flashy, nothing dramatic. And, and boy, I would really argue that this steadiness more than anything makes someone great in faith for the Lord. And I think that's what God calls us to aspire to. Boy, if God calls you to do something great and dramatic in life, wonderful. Praise God for it. But a lot of times in our spiritual life, we seem especially to be drawn to those people spiritually, who are flashy and and dramatic and do these great things, and that's fine. We need people like that. But I really think more and more over the years that just being sure and steady in our commitments to the Lord and in our commitments to others, to our loved ones, that's especially what we want to seek in our lives of faith. Day by day, steady faithfulness to our God. As we conclude this year in worship tonight, we see some steady day by day characteristics each one of us can exhibit in the Lord with the help of His Spirit. We see, first of all, devotion to God. Devotion to God. Anna never left the temple, we read. She never left the temple. Now, that could mean she lived there, but it also could be hyperbole that she was there a lot. Like some members of faith might joke, I practically live there when uh, you're here maybe a few times a week serving, setting up, and so on. Anna was in the temple day and night worshiping and fasting. She was devoted to God. And that's our calling too. And though Christ certainly needs devoted people in the church, helping, serving, you don't have to hang out at church all day to be devoted to God. We're called in all that we do to live in His presence. To devote all our living to Him. So when we're living for the Lord in our homes... That's devotion to Him. When we're giving Him our all at work, we worship Him in the church with God's people steadily, regularly, yes. And we serve here together. That's vital for a vital faith. I really believe that. But also, we dedicate our whole lives before Him. All that we do is service to King Jesus. A second characteristic is that Anna knew People need redemption. People need saving. She was part of those looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, the end of 38. She knew that people needed a Savior. She knew a Redeemer was coming. She was waiting for that Redeemer, waiting for Jesus. To redeem literally means to buy back. Jesus came to buy us back because we were born, owned by sin and the devil. And Anna knew that. She knew what Christmas was about, that the Messiah needed to come to rescue his people, to buy us back from sin and the devil. And you know, as I think of that, knowing that we need redemption, I I think 
one of the many things, characteristics that brings to our lives is a humility when you know that you need redemption. A sense that you haven't got it all figured out. You know, I've read a number of articles, uh, I feel like just in the last few months, that say they claim a predominant characteristic of the current generation of 20-somethings, it's the millennials, is that they can kind of approach life with an arrogance. Now, faith CRC 20-somethings are excluded from this, of course, and that's why I think you guys are going to do great things and go far in your life. But, for example, this generation is getting a reputation in the workplace for an attitude like when they start a new job that they are God's gift to the organization and everybody should just be so pleased that they joined up. Employers complain of a lack of punctuality, a lack of hard work, a lack of good communication with this generation. How true all that is, I don't know. But that attitude is the opposite of the attitude that we want in our approach to life as believers. We want a humility. And that type of attitude comes most naturally. It flows naturally out of an understanding that that we're a person in need. We're not okay on our own. We don't have all the answers. We need something. We need someone outside ourselves. So a realization that we depend on the Lord will spill over to the way that we approach others and the way that we approach life. We can also see thirdly that Anna was part of the community of believers. She spoke to those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. There are others like her. It wasn't just Anna worshiping the Lord. It wasn't just Anna waiting for Jesus. She was part of the community of faith. And and so are all believers throughout history. That's so important for our lives. And I know all of you know that. That's why you're a part of the church. To receive care, to care for others, to hear God's word proclaimed, to grow in faith with other people who realize they need to grow in faith. We need the community of believers so much. Tom and Ruth Tazlar testified You know, they didn't know what they would have done without the support of the church. And Ruth's going to continue to testify to this, her need for the church. Time and again, all the time, people in the hospital room approaching death have shared with me that this church has meant so much to them. We're not perfect as a church. We still have to grow a whole lot, but by God's grace, we're making a difference in people's lives. And and to do that, it takes each one of us being an active part as we're able, as we're doing. Devoted to God, realizing the need for a Savior, an active part of the church, these are the steady, day-by-day faithful activities that make someone great in faith. There's one more way that I want to share with you to capture the steady life of faith in Anna as she lived for Jesus. It's with three P words. And I just want to briefly explain those. 
they might help you also as you think of Anna. The first P is proclamation. All right? We read that Anna was a prophetess. Prophetess. I don't even know how to say that word. Prophetess. We don't know everything that that would mean, but what it does tell us is she was one of the very few uh, women we read about in Scripture who had an office of some sort. Deborah was a judge in the Old Testament. Another was Huldah, also a prophetess in Josiah's time. And, and we don't know much of what this meant for Anna, but we do know that prophets proclaimed. We can think of prophecy as future-oriented, but the prophet's main task was simply proclaiming God's word to the people. And we think of proclamation in terms of those like pastors set aside for the work. But really, it's every believer's calling. Because to proclaim simply means to speak forth God's word. You know, we sometimes talk about the proclamation of the word, and we're using that in sort of a special sense. And that's good that we do that. But there's also just a regular everyday sense. It's a calling for all of us to proclaim God's word, right? Some of us are better than others with our speech. Others maybe don't feel as confident using their words, but in loving, hands-on service, Jesus is proclaimed in our lives too. Preachers and prophets are not. Proclamation of the Lord's word, it's a calling for all believers. Second P, praise. Anna worshipped night and day. She had a life of praise in the temple, outside the temple, I'm sure, praise. That's a key characteristic for every believer. It's something that should permeate our lives. The third P is prayer. We read that she was fasting and praying. We could have this whole separate discussion about fasting, I suppose, but fasting's purpose then and today, if we feel led to do it, is especially to enhance and focus our prayers to the Lord. That's what fasting was and is about. People of faith are people of prayer. And so in the end, these three little verses, focusing our attention on this behind-the-scenes woman, Anna, they're filled with characteristics of maybe not a flashy life, but the kind of life to live as believers. A life that will make even the least great in faith. A life that will give glory to God as we pass from one year to the next. A life devoted to God, always realizing our need for Him, active in the community of believers. A life that includes consistent proclamation and praise and prayer. May God grant us such a life for the sake of His Son, by the power of the Spirit. Amen.